One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 59. Here's something that I actually said out loud recently. Email marketing is the love of my life. Sorry, Kate, but it's true. At least when it comes to marketing, nothing beats email. In this episode, I'm going to do my best to convince you of the power of email marketing and then give you some simple instructions for getting your email marketing set up right. But first, we have a few things to talk about. Number one, by the time you hear this episode, I will be a parent. What? This episode comes out on April 27th, but it was recorded before the baby arrives, which should be April 19th, possibly April 20th. I am sure that I'll share on the podcast about this in the future, but in the meantime, check out my Instagram for updates on that at Lauren Tilden, L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N. I have a couple of other things to share with you. The first is I have a brand new resource for you. Do you ever feel like the hardest part about marketing is coming up with what to say in the first place? If so, I can totally relate to this and I know a lot of other small business owners can as well. So I put together a guide that will walk you through a process to help you figure out what to talk about in your marketing and generate a lot of really good content ideas. You can find this guide for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash content. Second, I really want you to join the Facebook community for this podcast. It's called the Good Business Community, and it has been such a fun place to hang out lately. A couple things we've been doing lately. First, procrastination sessions, which are just 90-minute long Zoom calls. A bunch of us get on to get through the things that we've been procrastinating on. And second, we had social media expert Chris Emmer of Mindful Social Co. do Instagram audits, where she's gone through everyone's content on their Instagram feeds and provided tips and feedback. There's also community, inspiration, and good conversation. You can join us over at makinggoodpodcast.com slash community. Okay, with that, let's get into our conversation around email marketing. For some reason, email marketing is something that a lot of small business owners resist when they're just starting out. I think social media is flashier. A lot of us are tired of receiving emails from brands, so we just completely underestimate how powerful it can be. However, When it comes to driving real business results, email marketing is one of the most important tools in your marketing toolbox, if not the most important tool. There are a lot of studies showing the effectiveness of email marketing, and I'll link to a great compilation of studies in the show notes. A study recently showed that for every $1 spent on email marketing, $38 were generated. Statistics also show that your reach is four times better on email than social media, meaning if you have the same size audience in both places, you'll reach four times more people with your email. 
but I would be willing to bet that you spend a lot more time on your social media than you do on your email marketing. I'm definitely not suggesting that you do away with social media marketing. Both email and social have their place, but I know the power of email marketing, and I really hope to convince you to consider spending some time on it. In this episode, we're going to talk about my email marketing philosophy, how email marketing works in general, the importance of permission in email marketing, how to get people to sign up for your email list, creating an email marketing approach, what to say in your emails, and finishing and sending your emails. All right, let's get into it. So first up, let's talk about my email marketing philosophy. If you've been around here for a while, this philosophy to email marketing will come as no surprise to you. Email marketing is a powerful way to build relationships with your audience. It's a little bit more personal than a platform like social media or your website because you've been given permission to show up in your reader's email inbox. That is a gift, and we shouldn't take it for granted. We want to send emails that feel personal and add something to the person's life. When I write my emails, I like to imagine that there's one person on the other side of it, because there is. I try to write to just one person. I try to write using words that I would use in real life and share little snippets of my life the way that I would writing an email to a friend. Most importantly, I make sure that I'm providing value, that when my ideal customer receives the email, that the contents of it are helpful to them in some way. Sometimes that means a bit of education. Sometimes that means resources. Sometimes it means a personal story, inspiration. Occasionally it means entertainment. And of course, occasionally I ask for a sale. But for most businesses, we should be aiming to give 80% of the time or more and ask 20% of the time at the most. You might have some preconceived notions of what email marketing looks like because of the emails that you've received from big brands. But I would encourage you to throw those ideas out the door. One big reason that people buy from small businesses is that we're small businesses. The human behind the business is so much more present And it should really feel like that in your marketing. So let's talk about how email marketing works in general. When we talk about email marketing, we are not talking about logging into your email, typing in a bunch of email addresses, and sending it out to a lot of people at once through your regular email tool. With email marketing, we are referring to emails sent by businesses or organizations out to a lot of people at once, but not through something like BCC. These emails are sent through what is commonly called an ESP, an email service provider. You have a lot of options when it comes to email marketing service providers, but when you start out, I'd select a free or low-cost option. Here's some popular ones you might consider. MailChimp and MailerLite both have free plans. Flowdesk has a relatively low-cost plan and really nice design options. Clavio is a great option for product-based businesses, particularly those that use Shopify. ConvertKit and ActiveCampaign are also used fairly often, mostly for service-based businesses. In this episode, we're not going to go into the weeds of how to select an email service provider, but the big thing I would say here is don't overthink it. Do a little bit of research, see what fits into your budget, and then pick something. You can change it anytime you want, as long as you haven't committed to an annual subscription, which I would suggest that you don't. So here's generally how email marketing works. To create an email, you would log into your email service provider, design the email, add whatever links and information you want, then schedule it to be sent out to your audience. After it's sent out, you'll be able to see statistics around which subscribers opened the email, who clicked, etc. Now, permission is very important in email marketing. So this is something very, very important to keep in mind. 
there are rules and laws that come into play when it comes to email marketing, and it's super important to follow those laws. This is not my area of expertise, and I don't offer legal guidance on this, so look up the email marketing regulations for your country, but in general, the only people who you should email in your email marketing should be people who have given you their email address expecting to receive email marketing from you. It is not okay to add someone to your email list without their consent, and it is also very important to make it super clear how they can unsubscribe from your email list if they want to stop receiving your emails. This is usually built into most platforms at the bottom, and you should just leave it there. So we just talked about how important it is for people to give us their permission to send marketing emails to them, which brings us to a very important question. How do we encourage people to sign up for our email list to agree to receive our marketing emails? Before we get into this, I would like to ask you the following question. How often have you been on a website and seen a little sign up form at the bottom that says, sign up for our newsletter? I'm going to guess the answer is more than a few times. And here's another question. How many times have you filled out that form because you want to receive someone's newsletter? I'm going to guess again and say the answer is not very often. We all have email inboxes and most of us guard them very carefully. We don't want to give out access to our email inbox to just anyone. I know for me, if I subscribe to an email, I need to be pretty sure that it's going to be worth it taking up space in my inbox, that I'm going to actually want to receive the emails from this person or company. So what's usually most effective is to give someone something in exchange for their email address. In marketing terms, we call this a lead magnet, something valuable that we trade in exchange for someone's email address and permission to add them to our email list. There are a lot of other words you might hear used for the term lead magnet, such as a freebie or an opt-in. For product-based businesses, one of the most common lead magnets is a discount or coupon. If someone is visiting your website, we know that they may be interested in what you sell. So why not set up a pop-up that comes up on the screen and says, hey, I'll give you a 15% off discount code if you pop your email in the form below. And you, of course, want to make it clear that they'll be signing up to hear from you more. Some product-based businesses also choose to offer free shipping, but if you don't want to, you don't have to use discounts. There are a lot of other types of lead magnets that you can design to incentivize email subscribes. Here are some examples. An ebook, a style guide, an audio file like a private podcast or guided meditation, a video training, a free event, a tutorial, a workbook, a webinar, a cheat sheet, a worksheet, or a checklist. I would encourage you to view this as a process of experimentation. Create things, see how it goes, see how people like them, then update and tweak and adjust as needed. When you've chosen a lead magnet, now you need to have somewhere where people can sign up. Usually this is a form on your website. Sometimes it's a pop-up. Sometimes it's a standalone page called a landing page. Most email service providers have built-in ways for you to design these pop-ups and landing pages. A landing page, for example, is a super simple website that simply asks for someone's name and email address in exchange for the lead magnet. If you want to see an example of one, head to makinggoodpodcast.com slash content, which is where I have my lead magnet for the content creation guide. When they enter their details, your email service provider will automatically send them an email with the resource or discount promised. When you hear people talk about email marketing, there are really two main types of emails that are sent. There's scheduled emails and automated emails. Scheduled emails are the emails that many of us think about first. A scheduled email is sometimes referred to as a newsletter, but it's just a regularly scheduled email that goes out to our list. 
The email is usually sent consistently, maybe every week or every two weeks, and often on the same day. The other kind of email is an automated email, which is also often called a drip email or a flow. An automated email is when emails are triggered based on the behavior of the email subscriber. For example, you might have an automated email that is automatically sent 24 hours after someone purchases to check in on their customer experience. Or you could have a sequence of automated emails that is triggered when someone signs up for your email list. They get the first email immediately and then another email every day or so for a while. In your business, you're going to want to have both kinds of emails. If you're wondering, how often should I send an email? That's really a question that refers to scheduled emails. And I recommend that you send your scheduled emails once a week or once every two weeks. What you don't want to happen is for someone to sign up for your email list and then not hear from you until you have something to sell them. We need to consistently provide valuable content to our email list on whatever schedule makes sense for us. And then for automated emails, you probably are going to want to set up some automations. We can go into more detail about this in a different episode, but where I would start is with a welcome sequence. Again, this would be three to four emails that are sent out in the week or so after someone subscribes to your email list. They'd receive the first one immediately after subscribing and then another email every day or so for a bit. Maybe in the first email you introduce yourself, maybe in the second email you you teach your audience something. In the third email, you could provide your favorite resources, and maybe the fourth email has a personal story with a lesson. You can approach this however you want, but your welcome sequence is an important opportunity to start building a relationship and demonstrate value with your audience. Okay, so we are getting to the most exciting part, or possibly the part that is most intimidating to you, and that is this, figuring out what to say in your emails. As we started to talk about a little bit earlier, I believe the best strategy is to provide value almost all of the time and then occasionally ask for a sale. So again, what does this mean? It means that 80% or more of your emails should be interesting and useful and not centered on asking your audience to buy something. These emails should help your audience get to know you, give them tips or ideas or inspiration, and generally make their lives better, easier, or more entertaining. Then in the other 20%, when you've proven that you're not just there to ask for their money, you can tell them about your product and invite them to purchase. I shared some examples about what I mean by providing value in episode 15 of this podcast, but I thought I would share them again here. Let's start with service-based businesses. If you sell graphic design services, you could provide an email telling people how to combine fonts effectively. If you're a life coach, you could provide your tips for having difficult conversations. If you're a home organization expert, you could put together a list of your favorite products that help you to keep a home organized. Here are some examples of adding value for product-based businesses. If you sell greeting cards, like I do, you could have an email that helps people create a schedule for writing letters to their friends. If you sell facial products, you could write an email or a series of emails that explains how to build a skincare regimen. If you sell candles, you could put together an email explaining how to prolong your candle's burn time. And if you sell art, you could include in your email a Pinterest board with some of your favorite ways to display wall art. Note that all of these topics are related to the product and what we sell, but they are something that's valuable to our audience even if they don't buy from us. So how do we figure out exactly what to say? When it comes to what to say, I want to start by telling you something that will hopefully relieve some of the anxiety around this. 
And that is that you can apply the same content strategy you use in other platforms to email. If you post on social media or you write a blog or you create videos, you're already creating content and you can write about those same things in your emails. I have a process for content creation that I think would be a great tool for you to use to come up with email ideas as well as ideas for your other content. That process is laid out in a lot of detail in my free workbook over at makinggoodpodcast.com slash content. But here's a quick overview. The first step of this content creation process is to collect insights about your ideal customer and what's already resonating with your audience. Who is your ideal customer? Think demographics and state of mind. What are your ideal customer's pain points and problems? What are their hopes and dreams? What does your ideal customer need to learn to get to where they aspire to be? In your Instagram insights, what posts have been most shared and saved? In your analytics on other platforms, what topics have resonated most with your audience? What are your business values and what questions do you get repeatedly asked? Second, we're going to look at all the information that we just collected and we're going to identify our main content topics, which are often called content pillars. I would suggest that you narrow this down to between five and six overarching topics. Note that these are not product categories, but they should generally relate to your business. For example, for my stationary business, Good Sheila, where I make greeting cards and vinyl stickers and art prints, here are my content pillars. Art behind the scenes, plants, nature, and flowers, small business life and tips, values in business and kindness, and personal growth. Okay, so when we've got our content pillars all set up, The third most important step is to dive into each content pillar to come up with a lot of content ideas for each one. For each pillar, I have a few exercises to go through. The first is to get questions straight from your ideal customer. You can use the Instagram story sticker feature and say, what questions do you have about insert content pillar? So what questions do you have about my behind the scenes process for creating my art? Browse other forms as well to collect information on the questions that your ideal customer has. The answers to these questions are awesome opportunities for content. The second thing to do is to get super clear on your customer's pain points related to this pillar and in your content, find ways to give them small solutions. Also, what does your ideal customer need to learn about this content pillar? You can create many lessons and tutorials to help. What kind of content or messages would be inspiring or entertaining on this content pillar? Think about using quotes, bold statements, or memes and humor. What stories from your own life do you have to share as it relates to this content pillar? Remember, they don't have to be huge and dramatic stories. Even small everyday moments connect with people. And finally, do some keyword research on the topic to, on each topic to see what people are searching about. Again, there's a workbook that goes into a lot more detail on this process. You can find it at makinggoodpodcast.com slash content. In this episode, we're not going to go into specific writing advice, but I have a lot of tips on that too. For more details on how to write the emails, go listen to episode 15, where I share a lot of tips on copywriting, putting intention into your writing, strong subject lines, and much more. Finally, one important step to go through before you finish your email is to test it. Every single email service provider has a testing capacity, and it is so important that you don't skip this step. When you think you've finished your email and you're all set, you want to send yourself a test email and then go through it very carefully. 
make sure to check that it reads properly and there aren't typos, that any links included work and they go where they're supposed to go, that any dates and names you've included are accurate, and you want to break up any big paragraphs for easier reading. After you've proofread your email, you can schedule it to be sent. You might want to do some research on the best time to send emails, but a lot of people aim for weekday mornings and there's no real rule of thumb here. Of course, if it's an automated email, there's no scheduling to be done. You just publish the automation or flow so that it's active and then it gets sent out automatically when it's triggered. For example, when someone signs up for your email list. The last step is to keep a really close eye on how everything performs. One of the best parts about email marketing is how much you can learn from it. Email marketing providers have very powerful statistics that you can access to see how the email performed, and you can learn so much from these stats. A few of the things to keep an eye on are, what percentage of your audience opened your email? What percentage of your audience clicked a link? Which links did they click? How many people unsubscribed? Did you get any responses to your emails? What were they? Do you notice anything else? Looking closely at these numbers can help you learn a lot about your audience. For example, if your open rate is higher than usual, that might indicate that you had an especially good subject line. If you got a higher number of clicks than usual, what link did they click? This might suggest something that your audience is especially interested in. Email marketing is an art and a science, so it's important to pay attention to your stats to see what you can learn so that you can continue to refine and get better and better. So there you have it, your email marketing strategy all laid out for you. The big takeaway that I hope you have is to view your email marketing as an opportunity to serve your audience with something they want. As long as you're giving them something they want in their email most of the time, they're going to be likely to stay on your list and eventually buy. So that is what I have for you today. I really hope that I have convinced you of the power of email marketing. It is a total game changer. Remember, I told you about two things at the start of this episode that I would love for you to take action on. First, you can download my new free guide to creating great content. That is at makinggoodpodcast.com slash content. And second, to join the Facebook community for listeners, head to makinggoodpodcast.com slash community, and you'll be redirected to the Facebook group. If you've gotten value out of this episode, I would love for you to share it on your Instagram stories. Take a screenshot from your podcast player and tag me at Lauren Tilden, L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N, so I can say hello. You can find the full details from this episode over at the show notes page at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 59. If you're interested in learning how I can support you in your marketing, head to laurentilden.co. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N dot C-O. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.